0: to after pulse the extra podcast from the hosts of community pulse and now here's mary thingball jason hand and pj Haggerty.
1: uh yeah So... so so that was interesting i think that was an interesting conversation i don't know if we even touched on the topic that we planned on
2: we did a little bit like we talked a little bit about working across teams and why that's important um and the like managing expectations but I think and we touched on this at the end like I think the hard thing with this topic is there's so many different directions you can go with it Mm -hmm. with regard to like cool we can talk about what department should people report into which frankly at the end of the day is another one of those and people hate these but like whatever works for your company like Twilio reports in a marketing and they have one of the healthiest developer relations teams I have ever seen.
1: And largest, easily the and largest. And
2: largest, exactly. And there's other places that like they're their own division mm-hmm. and other places where it's marketing and it's terrible. <laughs> and like various <laughs> other, you know, permutations of that. So like, We could totally go in that direction. We can totally go in just the communication side of things. And I think we've touched on a lot of that as well as the like, well, I mentioned the unpopular opinion of like developer relations isn't always necessary, right?
1: Well, I I think this, that, that, let's talk about that for a minute. Cause I think that that's actually a very interesting thing in that we talked about a little bit about how it's become a checklist item Mm
0: -hmm. and so many
1: organizations like, oh, we need a dev evangelist or we need dev rel. Uh, we need a team of one or two, um, but they don't really know what they're getting into. And I think that's the perfect example of people who don't, if you don't know what it's for, you don't need it.
2: Right. Well, um, and that's the Simon Sinek ask the why, right? Why are right. you doing this? Like, actually, why are you doing this? Not just, oh, it's a checklist. Not just, oh, someone so said we should, but yeah, like- Our
1: investors said, go for it.
2: Right. Like, what is the outcome you're looking for? What is the end result that you actually want and then from that, figure out the why, because then you can figure out the how, right?
1: Yeah, I feel like hiring DevRel is the yeah. new let's get more engineers to do the same thing. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think maybe that's my that was my biggest gripe and like why I <clears throat> you know had such strong opinions about the whole thing is that um at the end of the day it just it it feels like there are companies out there now who are realizing that there is value in having a, a strong Devrel or Dev evangelist on your team mm-hmm. and because it's often not super clear on where their focus is and their priorities, but you they just somehow they, they still are, are doing great things for their company. <clears throat> Then there's this sort of misguided thing that, oh, we just need somebody who's like that person, but I don't know exactly what they do, I just know that what their role is is DevRel. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And because there's such variation of what that is, um, sometimes it just sort of, I guess, gets lost in in the fact that a good DevRel uh, person, I would say, is able to wear a lot of hats, you know, and, and um, they have to be very good uh, at the public relations side of things, and they have to be pretty good at, you know, being able to tech, you know, talk technical things, and there's just a lot of stuff, and, and it seems like we try to squeeze a, you know, a round person into a square peg with DevRel job descriptions sometimes, mm-hmm. and there's so many people out there who are passionate about these jobs and they wanna do really well, but they are quite frankly, like, spooked and scared off by some of these job descriptions and these job postings. Because for me, I won't do it if I roll up to marketing. Like that's a hard no. Um, other people have no problem with that because maybe they're trying to get into this role early. And so they take on all these expectations of, well, we want you to get out, you know, two blog posts a month. Or we want you to speak at three conferences a quarter. Mm-hmm. And we want you to do this and we want you to do that. And it just keeps, you just keep adding it on because it does feel like that's the role of the evangelist. And I, I also
1: feel like that's kind of the uh that's kind of the trick of the single digit number thing. Yes. Most digi- single digit numbers. Oh, it's two blog posts. Well that doesn't seem like very many. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's it's just, you know, it's just three speaking engagements a month. Okay, well, you know, it's that's still it's we're not too much. Like everything when everything's it's one not, and two and three, it seems like, oh well,
0: I didn't notice that I have actually a mountain of work
1: right. that's been built well, up well, one and two everything.
0: at the same time. Because what happens is that we submit CFPs sometimes six months or more out in oh, advance. God, yeah. we're trying, we're trying to get a lot of opportunities, but we also don't, you know, presume that we will get every opportunity. So we, you know, we sometimes blanket, um, send a lot of stuff out. And then sometimes we are fortunate enough that we do pick up a lot of speaking opportunities and th- sometimes they cluster together and mm-hmm. oh yeah, I forgot that I also did commit to marketing this, And I did commit to the sales team this, and I did commit to like spend some time with our engineers to tell them and the product team what's going on. And and so you just, you get pulled in a million different ways. And it just really worries me that people are going to, um, quite frankly, go after a job that looks on the the onset, that it's going to be really exciting. They're going to do really well at this. But then because of expectations that come from a different place, um, they're going to end up hating it. Yeah. Right, well, that's, that's part
2: of the reason why anytime, and I've done this in the last two roles I've been in, and this is me that I take to every single client that I talk to is like, cool, what's your mall map? And they go, what? I'm like, okay, take like, fine, you've got a roadmap, but take it, take it into the mall map mentality of like, you know, you walk, in, walk into the mall and you're trying to find the Macy's and you have to pass these other stores and you have to go up this staircase and you have to do these other things to get to that place. So what's your, what's your store, quote unquote, that you're trying to get to? What's your end goal? Why do you have this? So start with the why, but then what are the things you're going to pass along the way? What are the obstacles you're going to have to get around? Like the, the, you know, guys who are hawking the makeup at every woman who walks by or the hair products or whatever. Right. But what are the things that might pop up when, at what point do you tag someone else in and go, it's too much work for one person to try and get all the way to Macy's. I can't, you know, it's a tag team effort. It's not a marathon for someone to run on their own. At what point do you, you know, split up with your friends and go to all three different floors to try and figure out the best route to get to Macy's, right? But it's all of those types of things that you have to take into account, which is why I love that analogy so much because you've got check checkpoints to see along the way, You've got obstacles that are going to come up. You might pass another store along the way that's actually better than the Macy's, but you hadn't seen it before. And so you can go off in that direction instead. So you've got these different things. And I think a lot of companies have a really hard time with the like, look, at the end of the day, you have to be flexible. Like, cool. I could start out at the beginning of Q2 with speaking at three events is my goal. And two of the conferences might get canceled. Or five other speaking engagements might pop up that are better than the other ones, but they're all in Q3, but they would be far more effective for the company if I did those instead of the three that I'm signed up for in Q2, right? And so emphasizing the, the flexibility and the, there are times when I'm going to have to sit down and look at the 25 things that are on my to-do list for today and realize, nope, sorry, I can't do all of that. And exactly. I think that's, that's the hardest thing that I've seen. Well, that, like, I
0: guess the, the problem is you can't do that in the interview.
2: Right. You can't right. say,
0: nope, this is all wrong. Right. So well, I don't know. Like, that's what, I, th- I, think,
2: I actually had an interview where I talked someone right. out of hiring me one time because it wasn't a right fit. Like they didn't need that role at their company, but that's a whole other issue. <laughs> <clears throat>
0: sure. But,
1: but I I think, I, th- I, th- I think the trick is, I think the trick is in the interview, you say things like, well, that seems reasonable. Mm -hmm. And like, it's not a hard yes. Like, you know, you say things like that seems reasonable. That's definitely something we could discuss. Mm -hmm. This is an idea that could be on the table. However, you know, and I've said this in plenty of interviews, however,
0: you know, that with a schedule where you're traveling a lot, you know, all that can change immediately. Yeah. So maybe that's kind of the overarching theme and advice we give is that even in an interview, this is this field, this industry, this these roles are so new that every interview should still be considered a negotiation. You can't right. take a job description at oh, face yeah. value and say, "Yep, I can I can do all of that. Please hire yeah. me." Yeah.
1: Um, and that's for the I, the, the I think we
0: have to go in. Go I ahead. think
1: that's that's for the good and the bad. Like you shouldn't mm-hmm. you shouldn't assume that just because something looks like an overwhelming uh posting that it's not for you. Maybe give it a shot. At the very least, you're working out your interview skills. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can try those, the what the jobs that you don't want maybe apply to them and try to negotiate to see if you could get what you want <laughs> out of that job yeah it's the same as when you look at a job and you're like oh this is great like they've got ping-pong and a kegerator this is obviously gonna be the ultimate job for me um, sometimes those don't work out to be that great because right. they're telling you about the ping-pong and the kegerator because everything else the job is toxic right, right. Um,
2: and I so, think yeah. maybe maybe you keep track of those things right like how oh, many definitely. times do you have to say Well, yeah, that's a possibility, and if it's over three, then you go, "Ah, I'm hedging my bets on the fact that they will accept that as a possibility Mm -hmm. and not as a for sure thing. I'm not willing to take that risk, and I think that that amount of risk changes depending on where you're at with your personal life, where you're at burnout-wise, where you're at, you know, how much you're willing to invest in a new company, all of those types of things.
1: And how many times have you done this before? You know, that's. I think that's a big... I think it's easy for us and, and for Greg and for, for, for Paul because we've been doing this for a while. I think when it comes to someone who's brand new, they're probably like, oh shit, this seems like a lot. Did I make the right decision? And, right. and thinking DevRel was my best course of action. Right. Um, and I've seen that. I've seen people that have had DevRel jobs for like two weeks and went back to engineering. They're like, "No." Nah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And it's honestly,
2: amazing. I mean, I, I've seen more people doing this recently where they'll look at a job description and then go back to, you know, your trusted close group of friends, and you go, does this seem reasonable? Is this actually, like, are they actually asking me for all of these things? And I don't think there's any harm in asking other people around you. I think if you have inside info or an inside person at that job asking, like, do they actually expect all of these things from this interview or from this person that is interviewing, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's also solid feedback to give to the company. Like, Regardless of your experience in DevRel, if you're looking at a job thinking this is three or four piece person's worth of work, not just at the out at the, like when you first take the job on, but later on down the road, it's still going to be that much work after you're onboarded, like that's valuable feedback. Take that interview, talk to them about it. If they wind up saying, no, we're expecting this,
1: every single piece
2: to be, think- yeah, to be done, mm-hmm. like you do realize that's, that's way too much for one right.
1: person, right? Exactly. And, and I've, I've had I've had interviews too and this is a, this is where you have to, to fine line interviews where you they say oh no you're just the first piece in a team and then you mm-hmm. go on and after six months you're still the first piece in that team right like it, it's it's, caref- it's hard to um, deal with that but yeah I, I think that another thing that we I mean because we're really talking about the interplay of the departments is uh, understanding during the interview process like you may, you might not be reporting to marketing like Jay said for him, if if you roll up to marketing, it's off the table. Yeah. But uh, the you should talk to, and I think we touched on this: the amount of interaction you're going to have with other departments. Mm-hmm. Like in my in my mind, any job where I'm not supposed to talk to engineering, like that's not a contract. Um, that's not a client I'm going to pick up.
0: Yeah.
1: Because I need to be able to talk about the technical bits, and the only way I'm going to learn what they are is by talking to engineering.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um. I could yeah. talk to marketing all day, but they're generally. And I don't, I don't want to make this sound like a slide on marketing. They're
0: generally not technically trained people. Well, and I think that might, to maybe just close the loop on this whole thing, and this is probably my last opinion on, the, on this Pulse episode here, is <clears throat> um, the original tweet was that if, if we were supposed to roll up to marketing, we should be able to rely on them to be the ones that coach us for, for all of it. You know, coaches, what it's like to be a good dev evangelist or whatever the role is. And so like that, that I won't um, just, you know, I won't change my mind on, I guess. We, of course, work very closely with marketing, but I can't think of many things. A sort of how, you know, how like funnel systems work and drip campaigns and like those, those types of things, of course, you pick up working with your marketing teams. But I can't think of any of the core competencies, the thing that really make me stand out at what I do. I didn't learn them from them. Mm-hmm. They didn't coach me on any of that. And and then, in fact, sort of the second bullet point of that tweet is that, in fact, it's quite the opposite. They come They come to us because they recognize that we know we have a better pulse on the industry and, and sort of the community. And, like, what's the right language? And what's the right way we should say things like, you know, talking about DevOps? and and so they rely more on us to do their job than we do to do on, you know, relying on them to do ours. And I right. don't mean that as like, a, as any kind of a slight or a slam or anything. Those are just the facts. Right. And So when I see, when I see this, this role, the role that we're so used to doing answer to marketing, it really concerns me that they're, they're not really talking about the role that we are good at. They're talking about hiring in just a, just another person who kind of fits a specific very specific role of writing technical docs of trying to get out in front of people but but they have target numbers that they're trying to hit and, and content calendars and all these other things and I I, I struggle to really adhere to any of that because so much like like uh, Mary was saying it just kind of changes you know I'm, I might look at my calendar you know for July and right now it looks pretty good but that can change you know like at the drop of a hat any, any moment yeah, right, and so right. for me to make commitments that really impact other people and impact their KPIs and impact their incentives and maybe impact the money that goes into their checking accounts, that makes me very uncomfortable. So, maybe, um, so maybe that's let my me last posit- thought on that.
2: Maybe let me posit a different way to, to phrase that because I, in the past, have been completely on board with you, Jason, with the whole like, sorry, for rolls up to marketing, not doing it. But maybe, maybe it's not necessarily that DevRel doesn't belong in marketing, but that if it's going to be put in marketing, we have a seat at the table and it's not just mm-hmm. marketing derived from funnels and MQLs and SQLs and all of that, but we are equal partners driving forward the awareness and the importance of what we are doing.
1: Yeah. If you're going to, if you're going to roll up to marketing, it can't be a fire hose in one direction from marketing at you. Right. Mm
2: -hmm. Right. needs to be a partnership, which I think goes across the table with any department, right? Like if you're in product, that's a partnership. If you're in engineering, that's a partnership. Because again, we don't fit into any one specific department because we are marketing. We are product. We are engineering. We are sales. All the same. We are
1: C levels. Oh, sorry.
2: That'd be nice. Someday.
1: Just you. Someday. Just me. (laughs) I am chief community officer.
2: Absolutely. And hopefully that will actually be a thing in many, many companies. That's,
1: that's kind of the goal and why I created the title. I was like, you know what, maybe if we have someone like a chief community officer, that's who we should really be rolling up to. And they they can well, be I'm the lichpin between all those departments. Chief of evangelism. Jobs. Chief of evangelism. Yeah. But chief evangelism offers that CEO. The, that, that the CEO. Already taken. Yep, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, that title's already taken. They <laughs> don't like right. that confusion.
0: Yeah
2: cool well I think I think we're good
0: this has been another episode of After Pulse with Mary Thigbaugh at Mary underscore Grace on Twitter Jason Hand at Jason Hand on Twitter and PJ Hagerty at Asplenic on Twitter learn more at communitypulse.io or at community underscore Pulse on Twitter. We'll see you next time.